Amen. Good morning. It's good to be together at church and welcome this day that the Lord has made. And we're gathered in Mesa, South Mountain, Fountain Hills today in our chapel services. We have people joining us online. I'm glad that we get to be together today and worship the Lord, aren't you? Well, hey, we are in a series in Exodus, and we're going to be in Exodus 13 today. And I want to teach on the principle of first. Uh, I want to give you uh, this teaching because I think it will bless you and the Lord has uh, this for you today. Um, I want to give credit to Pastor Robert Morris. This teaching comes from his series, The Blessed Life, and he did a book on this and a series of teaching on this. And sometimes as a pastor you hear a teaching and you just know, like, this is what God has for our church too. But I want to give him credit. This is a principle that runs throughout all of Scripture, and it always works. Here's what you need to know. If God is first in your life, then everything else can come into the proper order. But if God is not first in your life, nothing else will work right. You got to have God in first place. It doesn't mean if you do that nothing will ever go wrong for you or that you'll never have any setbacks. But when God is in first place, everything else can then fall into the right place. You understand that? So the passage today is a little different, but before I get into it, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 10 talking about Moses and the Israelites. And it says, now these things happened to them as an example but they were written down for our instruction. So the Old Testament, although I know parts of it can feel a little unrelatable at times, it's all there for our example and to instruct us. It doesn't all apply to our lives exactly, but it does principally. And so we wanna look at the principles that we're seeing in scripture and that will show us how to live for the Lord and honor him. It says this in Exodus 13. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. And that is very emphatic language. God says, it is mine. It belongs to me. Like a little toddler will scream, you know, it's mine. And that's what God is saying here. It's mine. It belongs to me. So that's that's a pretty strong statement. And then in verse 12, God says, You shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. In other words, if you don't redeem it, you're going to lose it anyway. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall Redeem. So I know that's a little bit of a strange passage. Some of you are already getting concerned, like, what's going on today at church? We're talking about breaking necks of donkeys, and like, this is just not what I signed up for when my friend invited me to church. We're going to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to give you three points so you can write these down. Uh, If you've never heard this teaching before, it's a game changer. If you have heard it, it's a good reminder. So I think it'll be a blessing to you. Here's the first point. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, this is part of the law of Moses, and we're not under the law. We're saved by grace because of faith in Jesus. But there are principles behind the law. That's what we're trying to figure out when we read the Old Testament. What are the principles here uh, that instruct us in how to live for the Lord and have a relationship 
with the Lord. The principles behind the Ten Commandments show us how to do what's right. And as you read scripture, you can learn about the character of God through the principles of what you're reading. Even if some of the things in the Old Testament don't exactly specifically apply to you, the principles do. So this is the principle of first, and it's all throughout the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, it says the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. But how do you know which? Sacrificed or redeemed, okay, which one? The Lord gives us two examples here in this passage, a donkey and a lamb. A donkey and a lamb. A donkey represents an unclean type of animal, and a lamb is exemplary of a clean animal. So a clean animal, when a clean animal has a firstborn, you have to sacrifice it or give it to the Lord. When an unclean animal, like the donkey, has a firstborn, you must redeem it. So you redeem it by sacrificing a lamb in its place. If you want to take that donkey, keep it, and use it around the farm, you have to redeem it with the sacrifice of a clean animal. Okay, so stick with me here. I'm going to say it again. If a clean animal has a firstborn, you have to sacrifice it to the Lord. If an unclean animal has a firstborn, you have to redeem it with the sacrifice of a clean. So how would this apply to our lives today? Well, think about this. Were you and I, when we were born into this world, spiritually speaking, were we clean or unclean? Unclean. We were born with a sinful nature. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Some people will say, I think that people are basically good. Have you seen the news? (laughs) No, we're not. And you can just ask the experts in the room, the moms, moms, did you have to teach your kids to sin? Did you have to teach them to lie and not listen to you? No, you you had to try to beat that out of them. No, I'm just kidding. You had to teach them. We're naturally born as sinners. We are born unclean with a sinful nature. Okay, stick with me here. Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Jesus was clean. Okay, so watch this. The clean had to be sacrificed to redeem the unclean. That's what God did with Jesus. The firstborn redeems the rest. It's the principle of first. And we're talking about tithing and giving to the church and this message. But this is an important principle. You've got to understand the firstborn redeems the rest. Jesus talked about tithing in Matthew 23. And he said, you should tithe. Yes. You ought to tithe. That's what Jesus said. This ye ought to do, it says in the King James Version. So I don't know about you, I'm a simple man. Jesus saved me from sin, hell, depression, sadness, loneliness, shame. I really experienced a life-changing encounter with him when I was deployed to Iraq and I started reading this Bible by myself in John chapter 1 and said Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. And in that moment, my relationship with the Lord really changed and haven't been the same ever since then. So for me, if this is all that I knew about giving and tithing, Jesus saying, you should tithe, that'd be good enough for me. 
Like if that was the only verse in the whole Bible about tithing, I'd be like, all right, cool, I'm in. Jesus said, you should do this. But there's a lot more than that. Jesus is God's tithe. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but Jesus is actually God's tithe. So you should think about that when you hear people talking bad about tithing. How does that make God feel? Romans 8 says, Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers. And in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Romans says, God gave Jesus in hope, the same word for faith, that we would believe in him and receive him. God did not wait to see if you and I would straighten our lives up and start going to church and stop partying and stop looking at things we shouldn't and stop swearing and doing all those. You know, he didn't wait to see if we would clean our act up before he gave Jesus. He gave Jesus first in faith that we would believe in him and receive him. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. It's the same with the tithe. God says, bring me the first lamb, the firstborn. He doesn't say, wait till you have all 10, and then you can pick the lamb that you don't really like anyway. It looks kind of funky and keeps getting into your garden and eating your crops, and like you're just sick of the thing anyway. You'll bring me that one. He said, no, you bring me the first one before you have the other nine. Tithing is an act of faith. It takes faith to bring God the first. And that's one of the reasons why God instructs us to do it, because it's one of the ways that he builds our faith. That's why when the Israelites finally got to the promised land, we'll get there in upcoming weeks, God told them to bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Why? Because Jericho was the first city they conquered. So God says, that's the tithe, that's mine, this will redeem the rest. It takes faith to bring to the Lord all the first. The first portion is the redemptive portion. This is a spiritual principle. The first portion redeems the rest and brings blessing on the rest. So when you give the first portion to God, the rest is redeemed. That's why you don't want to take the tithe and give it to the mortgage company. Or give it to your car loan company or your utilities company because your mortgage company doesn't love you. They didn't save you. They don't have the power to bless your finances. They have the power to mess with your finances. But God has the power to bless your finances. And he saved you. And he's the one who can redeem your life from the curse, but only as you surrender your life to him. That's why we want to honor him with the tithe because the first portion, it belongs to God. Now, this is a big deal when God says it belongs to me. It doesn't feel good when someone takes something that belongs to you, does it? Have you ever had that happen? It's a terrible feeling. Now, I have a little daughter. She's adorable. If you have seen her maybe on my social media or you've seen her around church, she's so just precious. And I, it's hard to think about this now, but one day she is going to grow up. And at some point there's going to be a boy <laughs> who will want to date my daughter. And if that boy values living 
he will get my permission first. And so that boy will come and he'll ask permission to date my daughter. And if, if any of you are raising young boys, you can give them a heads up. That's what needs to happen. Uh, and I'll, I will do all the normal dad stuff in that situation. I'll like run a credit check. I'll give him a tour of my gun collection. You know, just like the normal dad stuff. You know what else I'm going to do is I'll check to see if that young man tithes. Because why would I give my daughter's hand to a thief? How am I going to trust you with my daughter if you can't even be trusted to handle money? And I know that's really strong language, but that's God's language. That's what God says. In Malachi 3, God says, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? I know there's some people here today. You're like, how have I robbed him? He knew you were going to ask that. God says, in your tithes and contributions, tithes and offerings. God says, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Okay, so God says to these guys who were withholding the tithe, you've robbed from me. And they're like, well, how have we robbed you? You, you, You're withholding what belongs to me, that first portion, the tithe. It belongs to me. And you see here in this passage, the options are you can bring it to God and be blessed or you can steal it. And be cursed. Now, that word cursed is a very strong word. And I know that gives a lot of people concern, pause. What does that mean to be cursed? I thought with Jesus, I'm free from the curse of sin. You are. When you accept Jesus, you have been set free from the curse of sin. But this is something I've taught many times. It's something you need to understand. Your life is only protected from the curse of sin as you submit it to Jesus. So when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your soul is saved from the curse of sin. You're no longer going to hell. Your sins are forgiving. That's amazing. But if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you keep living in sexual sin, your sex life is still under the curse. It's not until you submit that part of your life to the Lord that that part of your life is protected from the curse. It's as you submit your life to the Lord, he brings that part of your life out from under the curse and he protects you and he blesses you. So it's the same with your finances. You can accept Jesus. You can be saved from hell. You can be a Christian. But if you keep handling money your own way instead of God's way, your finances can still be cursed. It's a spiritual truth and reality. It's hard to hear, but it's what we need to hear. And robbing God, it doesn't just mean we're taking something that belongs to him, which that would, be, that would be bad enough. Let's be honest. Like when God says, you've robbed me, he's God. I don't like being robbed. Like I'm going to call the police. I'm going to do everything in my power to get justice. But when God says that we have robbed him, that's strong language. That should get your attention. Like, whoa, how do you rob God? Because I don't want to do that. So God says, you've robbed me, but we're not just robbing him of something that belongs to him. When we don't tithe, we're robbing God of an opportunity to bless us. God cannot bless us in the parts of our life where we do not honor him and put him first. 
It's part of his nature. He doesn't do it. And then further, one of the things we don't always think about is when we don't tithe, we rob our kids of the opportunity to grow up in a household where God has blessed the family finances. And being blessed, it doesn't just mean, you know, you're going to have like more money coming out your ears, make it rain, and like everyone's going to have Cadillacs and boats. Like that's not what it's about. It's not about trying to get more stuff, but there is a peace that comes knowing that God is in control as your provider, your father, and you're honoring him with your finances. So you want that for your family and for your kids. Pretty much every week I get a testimony like this, so I just decided I'll give you the last one I got from Monday. And I asked if I could share this, just I'll share it without the names. And so I got a great testimony from a family in our church about how the Lord has really impacted their, their family through this church. And part of the uh, testimony was about money. She said, my husband just felt moved to tithe for the first time a few weeks ago. That's a godly husband saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So she said, my husband just felt moved to tithe for the first time a few weeks ago, trusting God in the most vulnerable area of our lives. That was a huge step for us, huge in all caps. Not even a week after trusting him in our finances, God blessed us with a financial increase that we have been fighting for for over seven years. You know how the VA can be. Yes, I do. I know how the VA can be. It enabled us to be able to give again, above and beyond what he and I both imagined. Thousands. I never thought that would be possible. But again, impossible things are just, I'm possible with God. She was preaching there. You know, impossible things are, I'm possible with God. This is a great testimony talking about how she experienced breakthrough. They did as a family when they put God first in their finances. They didn't do it to get something from God. But it's just a supernatural principle of the kingdom of God that when you put God first, you experience blessing. And you notice how she talked in that testimony. I want to point this out. They started putting God first out of a sense of responsibility. And this is the right thing to do. But what happens is you might start to tithe out of responsibility or out of a sense of duty. But then it turns into an opportunity to be generous. As God blesses you, you start to talk like this. We get to tithe even more now. That's how people talk who start tithing. They get excited as God blesses them. They're like, this is great. Now we're going to be tithing even more and we can do more. And that's, that's a really cool thing to see people experience that. I wonder which of you will be the next to send me a testimony like that. Here's the second point. The first fruits must be offered. First fruits is a word that basically means the first portion. In Proverbs 3.9, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Or that word, you could substitute income for increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So when you honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits, it's another verse just reiterating the same principle. You're going to experience God's blessing in your life. It's not only a financial blessing, but there's spiritual blessing. There's all kinds of ways we experience blessing through tithing. In Exodus 23, it says, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Notice it says, into the house of the Lord your God. The tithe always comes into the house of God. 
We don't send it off to our favorite like televangelist or charity. It belongs to God, so it's not ours to designate. If we try to designate it and send it other places, then that's us trying to control something that doesn't belong to us. And one of the benefits of tithing is God teaches us um, to release control that way, which helps those of you who are total control freaks. It's like one of the ways God helps you grow out of that is by giving him the first portion and saying, okay, God, I trust you, trust you with this. It goes into the house of the Lord. So if this is your local church, if this is your home church, this is where you, you would bring the tithe. If you're watching online, Let's say you have a home church somewhere else in like another state, but you like to watch our services online. Uh, you should still bring your tithe to your local home church. That's where it should go. Not here. Bring it to your home church. If this is your home church, you bring it here. That's the way we do it. And you'll, you'll notice this as you study tithing in scripture. God never uses the word give when he talks about tithing. He never says to give it because you cannot give what doesn't belong to you. You can only bring it or steal it. Study it. Those are the only two options. You can bring it or steal it. You either bring it into God's house or you keep it in your house. Like Achan did in Joshua when he kept in his tent part of the treasure that belonged to the house of the Lord. It is called stealing. So this is a principle that's all throughout scripture. You see it in Genesis uh, before the Old Testament law of Moses is even established. And there's an interesting passage about offerings and tithing that has to do with this principle. Um, so uh, let me read you this passage about Cain and Abel, the first two kids of Adam and Eve. It says in Genesis 4:3, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Notice that. In the course of time, he brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions... And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, or he accepted it. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. He did not accept it. Okay, so this is a question a lot of Christians will have. Why did God accept Abel's offering, but reject Cain's offering? You would think like, man, Cain, he's bringing God an offering. That seems pretty cool. Why would God reject it? Well, it's pretty clear once you understand the principle of first fruits. In the course of time, like he just happened to get around to it eventually, Cain brought an offering. He brought some of the fruit of the ground, you know, just some of the stuff. Whereas Abel, he brought the firstborn to God. He brought the firstborn to God and God could accept that. So that tells us something that tells us that God, he just, it's not that he just wouldn't accept Cain's offering, but he couldn't accept it. He couldn't accept it. There are actually some things God can't do. There are some people that are like, well, God can do anything. He's God. Not necessarily. God cannot contradict his nature. There are some things God can't do. So for example, God cannot lie because he's truth. So he cannot lie. He cannot do wrong because he's righteous. God cannot change He's unchanging or immutable. If he could change, he could get better, and he's already perfect, so he cannot change. God cannot think the way that you think. Let me, let me show you. Like, we think to figure stuff out, don't we? Like, you know, we're like, I got to think about it. God, he doesn't have to figure anything out. You know, you know what God has never said? 
I just had an idea. <laughs> Nothing has ever occurred to him because he already knows everything all at once, right? He says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. There is something else God can do. God cannot be second. God can never be second. It's common sometimes you'll hear a pastor say, you know, like, you need to put God first in your life. And in a sense, you know, I know what you're trying to say, like put God first. Yeah. But even if you don't put God first in your life, he's still first. He is above all. He is before all. He is higher than all. He is first. He cannot be second. He's only first. And so when Cain brings an offering in the course of time, God says, that doesn't honor me. I can't accept that. But when Abel brings the firstborn, God says, I can accept that. Because this principle reflects an enduring principle. A little, a little quick side teaching is there are some things you see in the Old Testament before the law of Moses that still apply to our lives today. So, for example, God, he created marriage in the first couple chapters of Genesis. Marriage between one man and one woman. That's the only kind of marriage that God ordains. Selah. The law of Moses came along, established, reinforced that. But even today, we're not under the law anymore. We're saved by grace. But we still believe marriage is between one man and one woman. Amen? Amen. In case you weren't sure about that. Amen. Also, you read in that same passage about Cain and Abel, that Cain goes on and gets jealous and mad and bitter about this situation. He kills his brother Abel. That's the first instance of murder in the Bible. This is before the law of Moses, before the commandment, thou shalt not murder. But it was still wrong because that's an enduring principle that murder is wrong. And we still believe today that murder is wrong. Then here's another thing you see with Cain and Abel. Abel gave the firstborn and God accepted it. Before the law of Moses talked about tithing. Uh, Abram, before his name was changed to Abraham, he gave a tithe, 10% of all of his increase to the high priest of God before the law of Moses said he had to. Why? Because that was just a principle. It's a principle that God is first. The first portion is his. Yeah, the law of Moses reinforced those principles. But now that we're saved by grace, these principles are still true. They still apply to us. These principles are for us. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if the first portion is his, it's always going to be his. People get so caught up on the word tithing, like tithe. What does that mean? It means 10%, by the way. But what does that really mean? Well, it's really about who is first in your life. Who is first in your life? Jesus said, for for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure is, that will show you where your heart is. And it's so true, isn't it? Like half the reason you care about your kids so much is because they cost so much. Like, man, I spent a fortune on those teeth. Like, I got to protect that kid's face now, you know? Like, you buy stock in a company and you invest in it, you're going to be checking the news about that company. You want to know how, because you put your treasure there. When you bring your treasure, when you bring your tithe to the house of the Lord, you start to just care about your church more. You care about your ministry, the ministry of your church more, because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If you show me your checkbook, those of you who are over 50, um, (laughs) And for those of you who are under 50, you got like a a, a bank app, you know, you show me your receipts, right? I can tell you who is first in your life. 
it's easy to say God is first, but your checkbook, your bank statement, that shows who is really first in your life. And God wants to be first. God's asking you today, where am I in your life? Here's the third point. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. In Leviticus 27.30, it's the same principle. It says, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Okay, so I want to make this practical and help you to understand it and process it and apply it to your own life. So we're going to do a little bit of math. Okay, don't get scared. Uh, I know half of you are tuning me out right now. You're like, no thanks, guy. Let's do a little bit of math. Um, math's not my strongest subject. I was always more of a words guy. Okay, that not, that's probably not going to surprise you. Um, my wife, uh, again, she graduated college, but still would not say she loves math. Am I right? No, you don't love math. She does know 50% off. She knows that. I'll tell you what. <laughs> It's a good deal. That's what it is. Okay, so a little bit of math. Let's say you own a landscaping company and I were to hire you to come over to my house and do some yard work and you're going to, you know, plant some shrubs and some trees and some drought-friendly greenery. And like, so I'm like, okay, let's make it look good. You're like, okay, here's the plan. And you go through the quote and you say, here's my, my materials cost. And then I got my labor cost and I got to hire a few guys to help me. And then this will be my profit. Thousand dollars will be my profit. And I'm like, okay, I understand that you got to eat. You got to feed your family. You got to make profit. So you do the job and you take care of your costs. And, and then it's time to get your salary, your paycheck, your profit, and I owe it to you, so I'm going to give you your $1,000. Um, so I, let's, say I, let's say I'm going to pay with cash because I'm a, I'm a baller like that. So I'm going to pay with cash. So I'm like, here's $1,000, $1,000 bills, boom, boom, boom. Put them in your hand. You got the cash. Okay, so you got $1,000. That's your profit. That's the part you tithe on. You don't have to tithe on the expenses and all that. You tithe on the profit. That's your increase, so your increase, it might be profit from a deal if you're self-employed. It, it might be a paycheck if you're an employee. Sometimes increase will come through an inheritance or a winning. Like you're playing the lottery and you win. That's an increase. I don't think you should play the lottery, but I'm not going to judge you as long as you tithe on it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't endorse that, but I'm just saying. So you get your $1,000, right? That's your increase. That's the part you tithe on. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit of math. 10%, that's a tithe of $1,000. How much is the tithe? $100. There's hope. There's hope for the public school system. Thank you, God. Okay, so it's $100. You got 10 $100 bills. Which one is God's? The first one. This is a smarter than average church. But how do you know which one is the first one? It's the first one to leave your hand. That's the first one. And so here, here's what that means. If you get your pay and you go home and you're like, okay, I got to put some aside for the mortgage, put some aside for insurance, some for my credit card, some for my groceries, some for utilities. And then you get to the end and you're like, uh-oh, there's nothing left over for you, God. Can I just tell you this? He wouldn't accept it anyway. Because he doesn't do leftovers. God can only be in first place. He says this in Malachi chapter one, when he says, 
Uh, you offer blind animals in sacrifice. You offer those that are lame or sick. Is that not evil? I will not accept an offering from your hand. He's like, I'm not going to take the leftovers. I want the first and the best. That's what belongs to me. So what happens a lot of times, people, they're Christians, they love God. Uh, I'm not questioning that, but they'll go home and they'll give God's portion to the mortgage company. But again, the mortgage company doesn't love you. The mortgage company didn't save you. The mortgage company doesn't have the power to bless your finances. God does. So we want to give him the first portion. That's what brings the other 90% out from under the curse. The main reason people will say they don't tithe is they'll say, I can't afford to tithe. Can I just tell you this? And I mean this with love. You'll never be able to until you do. Because otherwise, it's like that passage said, you either redeem it or you break its neck, you're going to lose it anyway. Uh, God says that by tithing, he protects us from the devourer. Um, and that's, that's why people that don't do this, they just seem to never really get ahead. All, finances just stays a, a source of anxiety and stress in their lives because they've left themselves in control of their finances. It's when you put God first and you give him control, that's when you experience the peace of God. Now, here's how I think this works. Um, I think that when we get paid, tithing should happen first. It's the first fruits, the first portion. It's the first part that leaves your hand. So maybe you get paid on the first and the 15th or you get paid every week. The first thing I think you should do is bring God his tithe. So what I've done is because um, I like to set up all my bills on auto pay whenever I can. Because if I don't, inevitably I'll eventually forget one of them. And that's just a terrible feeling. And so I'm like, man, if I'm going to make sure I pay Verizon, I definitely don't want to accidentally forget to bring God his tithe. So what I do is once I know, you know what my pay is going to be, I set up automated giving. in advance. That's like me deciding first in advance for every paycheck, I'm going to put God first. You don't have to do it that way. Um, maybe it works for you. I think it works good. I encourage people to do that. But I set it up to be automated. That way, you look at my bank account. When I get a paycheck, it's like, boom, paycheck hits my account. Boom, Generation Church. My tithe goes out. My tithe goes to the Lord. And when that happens, I look at it and I see it. I remember, okay, yes, God is first in our family's finances. And I, I always take a moment just to say, thank you, God, for saving us, for providing for us, and for loving us. It's our joy to bring this back to you. But listen, we don't want to be legalistic about it. We're not teaching legalism here. Um, so what that means is like, let's say you get paid and before you can bring your tithe to God, your wife goes out to the grocery store because you ran out of milk and she gets some milk and she does that before you bring your tithe to God. It's not like, oh, great, honey, now we're cursed. You, <laughs> you brought the curse of God on our family. Like, that's not how, it, God is not legalist. He doesn't want us to be legalistic about this. It's about the heart. The heart of the matter is we want to put God first, and that's what he cares about. Will you put me first in your life? In closing, this last part of the passage, after Moses instructs the people to put God first, bring him the firstborn, it says this in verse 14. And when in time... To come, your son asks you, what does this mean? What does this mean, all this sacrificing of the firstborn, giving God the first fruits? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. 
For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Look, therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. So what this is saying, God instructs his people, the firstborn is mine, the firstfruits is mine. And Moses tells him, hey, there's going to come a day in the course of time that your kids are going to have kids and their kids are going to have kids. And they won't remember the land of Egypt. They won't remember what it was like to live as a slave. And your kids are going to ask you, what is this all about? You know, you're going to have a situation where you're raising cattle on the ranch and your kid comes running in the house and says, dad, dad, the lamb is about to have a baby. She's giving birth right now. And so the family runs out to see the lamb. And on the way out the door, the dad grabs the butcher knife. And the lamb gives birth. The first, finally, that first baby comes out and all the families around there going like, oh, cute little lamb. It's so precious, so cuddly. It's so furry. And the dad's going to pick it up and say, this one belongs to God and cut its neck. And the kids are going to be confused. And your, your son's going to grow up and he's going to come to you one day. And he's going to say, dad, uh, there's some things I've kind of been concerned about. I wanted to ask you about. And dad will be like, okay, go ahead. Like, you don't have that butcher knife on you, do you? And you no, go ahead. Okay, okay. So say, dad, I don't know if you, you noticed or not. There's some things you've been doing that are kind of strange. Like, dad, we're in the ranching business. We're trying to make money here. And every time one of our cattle has a firstborn, uh, it's kind of awkward, but you cut its neck. Like you sacrifice it. What are you doing, dad? Why do you do that? And, and you're going to say to your son, son, come here. There's some things that you need to know about our family. We weren't always ranchers. And we didn't always have land to our name. In fact, at one point, we were slaves. And we were powerless to save ourselves. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered us from slavery. And he brought us to this land and gave us everything that we have. And so, son, we gladly give the first portion to the Lord to thank him for what he's done. And this is, this is something that's been happening for generations as God's people have put him first in their finances and taught their children and their children's children about this through a very tangible act of worship. This even happened in, in my life. I remember when I was a kid, we were living in Kansas still, and uh, I was younger. I was getting older, starting to understand money a little bit more and trying to make money, mowing people's lawns and, you know, doing stuff and all, like, all the little entrepreneur things little kids do. And one day I remember coming downstairs, my dad's reading his Bible at the table, and that was an amazing example by itself. But then I, I noticed one day that he had a check he wrote out to the church, and it was for, like, a lot of money. And I'm looking at it going, like, that's a lot of money to a kid especially. And in my mind, my dad was a pastor. I'm thinking, Dad, why are you writing checks to the church? The church is supposed to pay you. Like, I was so, I was so confused. And he, he basically said, son, you need to understand this. Your dad wasn't always a pastor. Your dad wasn't even always a Christian. There was a time I wasn't living for God. I used to party, but God saved me and Jesus changed me. And that's why I will gladly put him first in our finances. 
because someday my kids are going to grow up. And I'm going to give online, so I'm not going to, you know, they're not going to see a check on the table. <laughs> but I'm going to tell them about the tithe. I'm going to teach them. This is so important that we put God first. At one point, I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't even living for God. But God saved me, and he changed me. So I will gladly put him first to honor him in our family's finances. This is one of the amazing ways we get to teach our kids about how to honor the Lord. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. The first thing I want to do is give an opportunity to anyone who might be at church today online or at one of our campuses. And maybe right now you would say, hey, God's not just not first place in my life. He's not in my life at all. And it's always incredible to me that when we talk about something so real and so tangible like money, it can reveal in our hearts whether we are near to God or, for, or far from God. And so I think there could be people at church right now who would say, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I want to. And so I want to lead you, if that's you, in this moment in prayer. And if you want to pray this with me, I encourage you to do it if you mean it. Uh, I believe God will hear it and he'll save you. So I want to lead you in prayer right now. If you're here and you say like, man, I want to accept Jesus. I want to be forgiven from sin. I want to know that I have eternal life. Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sins to pay the price that you owed. And he gave you eternal life, crediting to you all the good things that he did. And so if you wanna accept salvation, the free gift of God to all who believe, just pray this with me right now. Just say, God, I need you. And I confess that I've sinned against you. And I know I'm powerless to save myself, but I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place and pay the price for my sin. I receive the gift of salvation. I believe that Jesus rose again and gives me eternal life. I'm putting all of my trust in you, Lord, to save me. And I'm asking you to lead me from this day forward in every part of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Hey, keep your heads bowed for a minute. If you just prayed that prayer, will you raise your hand right now? Thank you guys, that's awesome. Anyone else? You say, I just prayed that? Just raise your hand up. That's awesome, awesome. Hey church, let's stand to our feet. Would you join me? We're gonna take a moment to respond to this message, but as we respond, I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Maybe it's time to put God first in your finances. Maybe it's time to tithe. Some of you are like, I've never heard any of this before. And so this is a game changer. Some of you are like, I've heard this before. I needed the reminder. Some of you, maybe you've been fighting these principles, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. What is he saying to you? We're gonna respond, we're gonna worship together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for sending Jesus for us. We thank you for saving us and redeeming us. God, it's our joy to put you first and to honor your name. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name, amen, amen.